This is Ian Pulse with your hosts, Sarah Medeiros and Julia Magana. A subpoena is not a party invitation. Welcome back. I don't know about you all, but I was finally able to get in some solid travel this summer. And while out of town, I think I received like three different subpoenas, including two that were occurring while I was out of town. Holy moly, Sarah, going through my email (laughs) when I got back was so stressful. I was beginning to wonder, did I sign up to work in the ED or in the courtroom? (laughs) But to be fair, you do get a lot more subpoenas than the average doctor because of your role as an expert witness. But for sure, the legal and medical worlds overlap more often than I think most doctors would like them to. The most obvious way is malpractice suits, of course, but doctors go to court for many reasons. Over the next five episodes, we will explore where the medical and legal worlds overlap. And to do that, we pulled in Dr. John Rose, a frequent guest on Ian Pulse, and he'll be sort of a guest host. Right. He and I both have experience in court, and we thought it would be fun to talk to some of our colleagues in the legal world together so that we can all learn together about this intriguing, foreign, and somewhat very frustrating legal world. So part one is Legal 101. What do we need to know about the legal system broadly? And part two is all about being a percipient witness or a witness who testifies to what they saw, did, or perceived without an opinion. More on that in a minute. Parts three and four are about malpractice lawsuits. (laughs) Part five is about being an expert witness in court. And since we are being legal, let's just say this out loud. Our conversations today are with real lawyers, and we are real doctors, but we are not your doctors or your lawyers. So please don't take this as legal or medical advice. Julia and John spoke with Chris Orr, Deputy District Attorney for Sacramento County and Supervisor of the Child Sexual Assault Unit. I get confused sometimes when, they, when you get a subpoena and it came from, you know, it says the people of the state of California versus somebody versus it's John Smith and so-and-so. Can you help explain some of the system to us? Yes, absolutely. And you're, you're not the only one that uh, experiences that. I think doctors often are intimidated by the legal world just as much as we're intimidated by the medical world. So both sides, I think, have that uh, nervousness about it, uh, which often sometimes tampers communications. So the differences between the, the different uh, entities and processes are very different. So uh, there's something called a, a criminal case. A criminal case is where uh, the state of California or the federal government is actually prosecuting somebody, trying to take away their liberty, trying to incarcerate them, hold them uh, responsible for uh, doing some sort of wrong. It could be a sexual assault. It could be a physical assault. It could be murder. It could be child assault. It may be something like a financial crime even. All those sort of type things where the government is saying we're going to hold someone responsible are criminal cases. Uh, And those are prosecuted by, uh, in the state of California, by the county. Each individual county has an individual district attorney's office. And that district attorney's office will choose to file cases uh, to hold people responsible. In those cases, the punishment may be something as as minimal as probation or misdemeanor. Could also be a felony in probation or it could be something where we're actually trying to send somebody to state prison for the harm that they inflicted in that individual case. 
There also is a federal level of prosecution. Um, there aren't a lot of federal cases that um, are criminalized um, in the sense that you'd probably see in a medical uh, sense. Uh, but, you know, if there's some sort of violation of federal law, um, which usually involves some sort of interstate transportation or some sort of interstate fraud, uh, those could be prosecuted at a federal level. And again, it's the same sort of thing where we're having the government trying to hold someone responsible criminally and take away their liberty and punish them for something that they did. An important part about the criminal law portion is that we have to prove our cases beyond a reasonable doubt. So it's a much higher, higher level of, um, of proof that has to be shown to a jury. It has to be proven beyond all reasonable doubt uh, in the case. Another type of uh, case that a person may receive a subpoena for is a civil case. And this is where uh, one person uh, called a plaintiff uh, is suing another person called a defendant. Um, so similar language to what we might have in a criminal case. Criminal cases, we have the people of the state of California or the U.S. government versus an individual usually called a defendant. In civil cases, it's the plaintiff. So it's an individual citizen uh, suing somebody for money, for pain and suffering, for physical harm that they may have caused. And there can be similarities between the two, uh, but one is individual parties suing another. Maybe a no longer so timely example uh, would be the, the O.J. Simpson case. Uh, O.J. Simpson was um, tried for murder, for killing Nicole and, and Ron, and ultimately the jury found him not guilty of murder. Uh, that was a criminal case, so he didn't have to serve any time in prison for those killings. Subsequently after that, there was a civil case for the wrongful death of Nicole and Ron. Um, the burden was lower. It was by a preponderance that uh, the plaintiffs had to prove their case that O.J. Simpson was responsible for the wrongful deaths of Nicole and Ron. The plaintiffs only had to prove it more likely than not. So it's a very different standard. Uh, and in the civil case, uh, a jury found that he was responsible for the wrongful deaths of those two individuals. So they're similar. Uh, they can have overlap. You can have many criminal cases that have a civil component to it, um, but they're different uh, in the sense that one is a private party uh, trying to recover money and the other is the government trying to ensure justice in society. You know, when you get a subpoena, this is a lawful thing and you have to appear and you have to do as they say. Can you help kind of just talk about those kind of subpoenas and how they're being issued and what they really mean on all levels and things like sure. that? So for... A subpoena, when someone receives a subpoena from the court, all subpoenas, whether they're civil or whether they're criminal, they're being issued by the court, but the court allows attorneys to issue those subpoenas uh, once a case has been filed. So a subpoena coming from the district attorney's office would be uh, the same as coming from a judge. The judge allows the district attorney and the public defenders to issue subpoenas to call witnesses to court. And that's guaranteed by our Constitution. Our Constitution says you get to bring people to court um, in a criminal case to uh, prove um, either your guilt or your innocence. Either side can issue those subpoenas. The civil subpoenas are also the same. Once a case has been filed, the court allows the parties to issue civil subpoenas. Um, I don't deal with a lot of civil subpoenas. There's different civil subpoenas, maybe for depositions, for actual in-court testimony. So I can't talk as much about the civil process, but both have the legal effect of requiring somebody to come to court. A lot of times, not just doctors, but civilian witnesses will call me and say, I can't make it. 
or I'm busy that day. And what I always try to explain to them in the, in the most gentle fashion I can is it's not a party invitation where we're asking if you can make it. It actually is a court order and the judge is ordering the person to come to court. You know, we always want to accommodate people's schedule as much as we can. No one wants to go to court. But at some point, uh, it, it is a legally binding document and it requires someone to come to court. Uh, the justice system, both in the civil world, especially in the criminal world, cannot function without witnesses coming to court uh, because we have to put witnesses on in order to prove our cases. And if we can't put those witnesses on because they don't come to court, the whole society, fabric of society could fall apart because there's no way to hold people responsible for when they do something uh, inappropriate. So what are kind of the big buckets of witnesses? You know, we've got expert. What are some of the other titles that you can be called when you are subpoenaed? So most witnesses are precipient witnesses. They've seen something. They've observed something. They've done something that relates to that case that requires they be brought into court to provide that information. Precipient witnesses is any witness that saw something, did something, or interacted in their case kind of as part of their normal life. Uh, so it's a normal citizen seeing a car accident. It's a teacher observing bruises. It may be a coworker hearing someone make a comment. Uh, as it relates to the medical professions, it's the individuals that provide care to patients that arrive uh, at their hospital, someone that is in need of medical treatment. When you're res- providing that medical treatment, you're not thinking, oh, I'm doing this for court. You're thinking you're doing it to save that person's life or to provide them the medical care they need. So in that sense, you are just doing your normal job, just like maybe a truck driver who's driving down the street and observes an accident is doing their normal job. They see something, they observe it. Um, And so for medical professionals, most medical professionals called to court are often going to be what's called a precipient witness. They observed, they did something, they treated somebody um, and provided care, they documented something. They may have also received a statement. You might call it history that you put into your medical records, but we're going to call it a statement about what happened. You know, I was going through the light and the light was green, or I didn't hit that child, or I did hit that child, or I'm so sorry for what I did. You may write some of those things in in your notes, or they have described to you how certain injuries occurred or denied certain injuries occurred. Those sort of things that end up in your medical notes are precipient witness observations. You made notes of things this person said. Um, You did it quite likely because it's helpful for you in transmitting that information and making your diagnosis or sharing it with the next doctor. Um, It's not really made in anticipation of litigation. It's you just documenting what somebody said. Many times those pieces of statements uh, can be used by either party in a criminal case or civil case to help explain what actually happened. And so those things may be something that becomes a precipient witness notation that ends up requiring us to maybe bring somebody to court. Other types of witnesses would be officers. Police officers obviously come to court. They're professional witnesses in the sense that their job is to investigate crime, to document crime scenes. Uh, They're a little bit different than a precipient witness because Pretty much everything they do is anticipating that there might be litigation. So their job is a little bit different than your regular recipient witness. 
And then the other main category of witnesses would be someone that's an expert witness. An expert witness is somebody who's being called into a case because there's litigation. And they're there to potentially render an opinion that could have some legal uh, effect on the case. In a normal case, in a normal criminal case, uh, we do not have witnesses come in and give their opinions. The victim doesn't get to walk in and say, he's guilty. And the mother of the suspect doesn't get to walk in and say, I know my son and he's not guilty. Uh, Those opinions aren't really relevant. The police officer doesn't get to walk in and say, you know, he's guilty of this crime because the police officer's opinion isn't relevant in the case. The only real opinions that are relevant in most cases is the opinion of the jury. Have we proven our case beyond a reasonable doubt uh, such that a jury can find this person guilty or not? The exception is for expert witnesses. Expert witnesses don't give an opinion as to whether somebody's guilty or not guilty, but they do get to kind of marry uh, some facts um, with their background and training experience and give an opinion about how those facts relate to the case. Uh, And so many times an expert will be called to uh, give an opinion. And their opinion uh, in the medical sense typically is going to be, this is the history that was given uh, at the hospital. Uh, This is the injuries that I saw. The DA or the defense may give another history, uh, maybe a statement that was given to a police officer or to a family friend. And then they're asked to give an opinion. Are the injuries you observed consistent with the history that we've just supplied? Uh, And that's their opinion. Their opinion, looking at the injuries they saw, this is or is not consistent. We allow uh, certain individuals in society to give expert opinions uh, because you have uh, this higher level of training. Um, You work with these sort of injuries every day. You work in medicine every day. You know whether that explanation is consistent with the facts given. It's hard to have a jury know how to do that. How would they know whether those injuries are consistent or aren't consistent? And so we do allow certain experts in certain fields to give their opinion. Doctors are a main area of that. Scientists, criminalists in the areas of DNA or toxicology can also come in and give expert opinions about their knowledge of rising BA levels. And if you took three or four drinks, would that result in a BA level of this? Or is that something that's inconsistent with the BA level that was observed in this individual? So the law allows in criminal cases and in civil cases, the parties to put on expert opinions in limited circumstances. Well, that was a thorough explanation of terms. You know, it is crucial that we have a similar understanding of the framework of the legal system and those basic terms. So keep listening to part two about that crucial role we play in the legal system as percipient witnesses. And good news, that episode was published at the same time as this one. Show your support by sharing these episodes with your colleagues and follow us at Impulse Podcast. See y'all next time.